Pastor Xavier Reese and God's perfect plan for his people. Pharaoh attempted to destroy the Jews, but God intervened through Moses. Haman set out a plan to kill all the Jews, but God intervened through Esther. Herod tried to kill the Messiah, but God intervened through a dream. The Antichrist will attempt to kill the remnant of Israel, but God will intervene by protecting her at the city of Petra. God's in control. God knows what he's doing. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Our generation has witnessed the apparent demise of Russia, or have we? And shouldn't our focus be on Israel's enemies in the Middle East? Well, today, Pastor Xavier takes us back to the prophecies recorded for us by the prophet Ezekiel. It's here we'll see God's future plans revealed for what was once one of the mightiest nations in the modern world. Here he is with today's lesson, Russia Will Invade Israel, Part 2. So we want to continue our study here of Ezekiel 38 and 39 that predicts the Russian invasion of Israel in the latter years by following, as I stated last time, the natural threefold movement. The invasion of Russia of Israel we have seen in 38, 1 through 13. The destruction of Russia at her invasion of Israel, 14 to 23. And then we have the decimation of the Russian army in Israel, all of chapter 39. Now, we have examined the first movement, as we said last week, the invasion of Russia, of Israel, which consisted of the declaration of God's opposition to Russia in verse 1 and 2 of this chapter. It is very clear that Russia is indicated. We trace the words, the, 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 the derivatives of them, the nations. The confederation of armies with Russia also cannot be mistaken. We found those in verse 3 through 9. We have there Iran, uh, Libya, Togarma, those that we identified. So we're not going to go over that ground again. And then the imaginations of the mind of Russia, evil, in her attack, verse 10 through 13. Now we come to the second movement, the destruction of Russia at her invasion of Israel, which again consists of three things. Let me read verse 14 to 23. He says, Therefore, son of man, prophesy and say to God, Thus saith the Lord God, On that day when my people Israel dwell safely, will you not know it? Then you will come from your place out of the far north, and many people with you, all of them riding on horses, a great company and a mighty army. You will come up against my people Israel like a cloud to cover the land. It will be in the latter days that I will bring you against my land so that the nations may know me when I am hollowed in you, O God, before their eyes. Thus says the Lord God, are you he whom I have spoken in former days? By my servant, the prophets of Israel, who prophesied for years in those days that I would bring you against them, it will come to pass at that same time when God comes against the land of Israel, says the Lord God, that my fury will show in my face. For in my jealousy and in my fire of my wrath, I have spoken surely in that day there shall be a great earthquake in the land of Israel. So that the fish of the sea, the birds of the heavens, the, the beasts of the field, all creeping things that creep on the earth, and all men who are on the face of the earth shall shake in my presence. The mountains shall be thrown down, the steep places shall fall, and every wall 
shall fall on the ground. I will call for a sword against Gog throughout all my mountains, says the Lord God. Every man's sword will be against his brother. And I will bring him to judgment with pestilence and bloodshed. I will rain down on him and on his troops and on many people who are with him, flooding rain, great hailstone, fire, and brimstone. Thus I will magnify myself and sanctify myself, and I will be known in the eyes of many nations. Then they shall know that I am the Lord. The destruction of Russia at her invasion of Israel consists of the following things. First, verse 14 through 16, the certainty of the attack of Russia on Israel. The certainty. Second, 17 through 20, the certainty of Russia's defeat in Israel. And then 21 to 23, the certainty of being God's judgment on Russia in defense of Israel. This will be God fighting for Israel. This will not be Israel fighting for Israel, as we've seen in the previous wars. It will be God. Let's begin here with the certainty of the attack of Russia on Israel. Notice here in verse 14 and 15, the attack will be to their own demise. They will not know it. How often we see people so proud, so self-secure, and they go out like if they're going to do a number, they're going to wipe her, and they get humbled. This is what's going to happen. Russia has no idea of her destruction. Verse 14, Russia will be unaware of what is to happen. The protagonist, again, is still Russia. hasn't changed. Therefore, son of man, prophesy and say to Gog. The particular event, notice, is the same one. When Russia's evil thoughts come upon her to attack Israel. Thus saith the Lord God, on that day, that phrase we saw in verse 10, it identifies that period of attack. The latter years, the latter days. The period of time is repeated. Peaceful. When my people, Israel, dwell safely, will you not know it? Once again, this takes place at the covenant that Israel makes with the Antichrist. Israel is not in peace right now. She's not in safety. She's getting tired of war, 60 years. She's willing to give up land over and over again, but she gets betrayed every time. Nothing comes of it. She wants peace. But it will not be till she makes the covenant with the Antichrist in Daniel 9.27 then. But it will be false peace as we've seen. In 15, Russia will come with her confederate armies. The geological location is confirmed. Then you will come from your place out of the far north. We've seen it in verse 6, the far north. This is Russia. Extends across east to west, the other north. The confederation, notice, also is confirmed. You and many people with you. We mentioned her last time, Persia, Ethiopia, Lydia, Gomer, the house of Tagarma, which you find in verse 5 and 6. All of them riding horses, a great company, and mighty army. Remember the Scythians, the Cossacks, are the root of the Russians. We saw that. We looked into that. They still train on horses. Verse 16 and 17, notice Russia will be used by God for his glory. Please understand that. God takes the wrath of man and glorifies himself. He's the one on the throne. He's the one that always is in control of history. Notice first by their invasion of Israel. You will come up against my people, Israel, like a cloud to cover the land. My people. The overwhelming nature of the attack, notice, is marked by the phrase, like a cloud to cover the land. In other words, it is sudden, it is so overwhelming that human ability, human preparation will not do. 
they, they cower because they know nothing, nothing has prepared them for it has come upon them. You understand? The greatest thing that you and I could ever come to is how insignificant we are in relationship to this world's creation and God. We get so proud of ourselves. And when we trust our arm and flesh, destruction comes upon us. When we think ourselves sufficient for anything. The Bible says that I can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens me in Philippians 4.13. All things he calls me to do, but I don't proudly, boldly say, I can do that. I can do anything. No, no, no. I have limitations, many. Notice not only by their invasion of Israel, but by the prophetic fulfillment. The prophetic timeline is given. It will be in the latter days. The phrase specifies the days of the latter years of verse 8. The seven-year tribulation is given in two halves, false peace and then all hell breaking loose. It's given in years, months, and days, three increments. Notice the prophetic guidance. It is God that I will bring you against my land. He's in control. The prophetic purpose is for the acknowledgement of God so that the nations may know me when I am hollowed in you, O God, before their eyes. He is the one who's directing history. Yet be careful you don't conclude that God forces someone to do evil and then whacks them. No, he would be evil. He couldn't be good. God allows man with his free will to make choices. And because he knows the choices they make, it's not hard for God to declare what's going to happen. And he uses it for his glory. Now remember this battle takes place at the beginning of the seven years of tribulation. In great tribulation. The nations here at this point acknowledge the active intervention of God. But not to bow to him. That occurs at the second coming. And this is where, again, 38 and 39 is not as easy as it looks. Because some of these statements seem to put this at the end of the seven years. But we know that the battle is the main theme here, and it's at the beginning. So we have to believe that what it's doing, it's giving us concluding, arching conclusions towards the end. Because if this happens, the acknowledgement of God at the beginning, how can we explain that Israel would be given to the Antichrist for the first three and a half years? They can't be given to God and the Antichrist. It's in the middle of those seven years, three and a half, that the Antichrist goes into the temple, declares himself God, and then Israel sees that she's been deceived and she flees to the wilderness, the city of Petra. So it's from the middle on that it will be acknowledged. From the middle, Israel, the rest of the nations, at the end, at the second coming of Christ. So what seems to be contradictory is not, remember this is an Eastern book. It's not chronological in order. It makes a statement, gives detail. We want to think of it in chronology. So I have to know the timeline so I know where I put these things. Otherwise, I contradict the timeline itself. And it's not that easy sometimes. At the beginning, the entire world is accepting the, inhaling the Antichrist. He, he's the man of the hour. He has the solutions for everything. False peace. Paul says, uh, when they see peace and safety, sudden destruction will come upon them. Because they rejected the truth, I will give them over to the lie. And they will not be able to believe. The certainty of Russia attacking Israel, just like Ezekiel describes here, is as certain as the second coming of Jesus Christ. It will happen. Notice secondly here, we have the certainty of Russia's defeat in Israel, 17 through 20. 17 and 18, we have the wrath of God will be the source. Don't mistake in it. Be very clear about that. In verse 19, as the confirmation of his prophets. 
the men inspired of God. Thus saith the Lord God, are you he of whom I have spoken in former days by many servants, the prophets of Israel? And the men are those imparting the revelation of God, who prophesied for years in those days that I would bring you against them. The passages are general references to the destruction of the enemies of God's people. Some of them from Deuteronomy 30, verse 7, Isaiah 26, 20, 21, Jeremiah 30, verse 18. You can put Joel 3, uh, Zechariah 14. They're general statements that fit into that whole period of the seven-year tribulation. It is interesting to me that as we've studied the book of Revelation from chapter 6 to 18 or 19, you have all those descriptions of the cataclysmic events and all that, and yet this battle is not mentioned in the book of Revelation at all. It's an isolated battle that's here in Ezekiel. But yet God gives you overall the end result of this seven-year tribulation. God wins, and he fights for Israel. Very, very clear. So not only as a confirmation of his prophets, but notice in verse 18, as a trespass on the land of the Jews. I use the word trespass purposely because it is their land. God has given it to them. We've established that clearly as we've gone through these chapters. Why are they trespassing? Look, to destroy Israel. And it will come to pass at the same time when God comes against the land of Israel. Against the land of Israel is not to shake hands. Also to be confronted by God's anger. They're coming expecting victory, but they're going to be defeated. Says the Lord God that my fury will show in my face. When you're driving down the freeway and you look over to the right shoulder and you see two cars pulled over, and you see two guys in their face, and this guy's face is red and spits going everywhere, and his juggler vein is poking out about a foot, you never think they're having a friendly conversation. You know, someone's ticked off. This is a picture of God, of righteous anger that rises up in his face against those who would come to harm his people. The authority is divine, says the Lord God. We see this over and over again, this prophetic formula in 38, 18, 21, 39, 5, 8, 10, 13, 20, 29, over and over and over again. The righteous wrath again of Yahweh is based on his holiness being manifested on a confederation of atheistic and Muslim nations. What strange bedfellows. (laughs) There's only three monotheistic religions in the world, if we can call ourselves a religion. The Jews, Islam, and Christians. The Jews have blindness in part. They acknowledge Yahweh, but they don't acknowledge Jesus as Messiah. The Muslims acknowledge Allah, which is nowhere in the Bible, through the prophet Muhammad. And then we, the Christians, acknowledge the Father who sent the Son, who sent the Holy Spirit. This is a strange marriage. An atheistic nation with a confederation of Muslim nations, Islamic. Now notice this will be a power encounter then of Jesus against Allah. That's what it boils down to. Much like Elijah and the prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel. Elijah said, well, let's see who's God. You go first. And God demonstrated through Elijah that he's the only God. He wins. Now notice verse 19 through 20. The manifestation of God's wrath is given. In 19, evident by the evidence of his love for Israel. For in my jealousy and in the fire of my wrath, I have spoken. Jealousy is a strong emotion that compels one to action. If you're married to a man, young ladies, who says, oh, I'm not jealous over my wife, he doesn't love you. If you love someone and someone tries to make a pass at your wife, you're a little perturbed. And if you ladies, some other girl tries to hit on your husband, 
you're there right now. Now, there's the negative side of it where you're overprotective, you're too controlling, and you actually strangle who you say you love. You know what I mean? But jealousy is good. It says, hey, I'm protective. You're mine. You understand? That's good. This is God. He's jealous over the people he loves. He has chosen the Jew, not because they're more in number, not because they're wiser than anybody else. He says, I just chose you, that's all. Also notice evident by the violent earthquake in Israel. Surely in that day there shall be a great earthquake in the land of Israel. Now there are many earthquakes described through the book of Revelation. So you have to be careful where you put these earthquakes. This one's at the beginning, there's others in between, there's one at the final at the end. So there's different earthquakes, okay? One of them splits Jerusalem, three places, there's going to be big topography change there in the Mount of Olives, everything else for the new millennial temple. There'll be a, a river coming forth from, from the temple to the Dead Sea and to heal it, the other one to the Mediterranean. So there's different earthquakes. You got to be careful where you put them, okay? Evident by the effects also of all creation. Notice, so that the fish in the sea, the birds of the heavens, the beasts of the field, all creeping things that creep on the earth, and all men who are on the face of the earth shall shake at my presence. Notice, evident by the inability for anything to stand. The mountains shall be thrown down, the steep places shall fall, and every wall shall fall to the ground. I don't care how bad you think you are. You'll run. (laughs) This is God. There is an innate hatred for the Jew that is growing throughout the world today, particularly in Europe, and it's rising in the United States. And we know prophetically that its origin are satanic. Genesis 3.15, the first prophecy regarding the virgin birth of Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the promise. It is that the Messiah, the seed of the woman, would crush the serpent's head, and the seed of the serpent would bruise the heel of the seed of the woman, the Messiah, a temporary wound on the cross, but he becomes victorious through the resurrection. At the end, Messiah wins a fatal blow to the head. He crushes his head. But since that prophecy, it also declares that anti-Semitic movement towards the people of God. Esau attempted to kill Jacob. Remember, when my father dies, I'll kill him. But God intervened. That's his return. Pharaoh attempted to destroy the Jews, But God intervened through Moses. Haman set out a plan to kill all the Jews, but God intervened through Esther. Herod tried to kill the Messiah, but God intervened through a dream. The Antichrist will attempt to kill the remnant of Israel, but God will intervene by protecting her at the city of Petra. God's in control. God knows what he's doing. He tells us before it happens, so when it happens, we know it's God. The statements made regarding the Jews today and in the past, throughout history, consider them at times not even human and based on ignorance and at least in part perhaps having envy and jealousy over the accomplishment of the Jews and the nation of Israel. The French ambassador in England said, um, quote, Israel is nothing but a, and he gave not such a nice word, little country. Another person said, What have any of the other countries in the Middle East contributed to the world other than hatred, intolerance, and oppression of their own people, especially women? Whoa. Let me show you what Israel has accomplished since 1948. Buckle up, okay? Israel, the 100th smallest country with less than one one one-thousandth of the world's population can lay claim to the following. The cell phone was developed in Israel by Israelis working on the Israeli branch of 
Motorola. Most of the Windows NT XP operating systems were developed by Microsoft Israel. The Pentium MMX chip technology was designed in Israel at Intel. Both the Pentium microprocessor and the Centrino processor were entirely designed, developed, and produced in Israel. Voicemail technology was developed in Israel. Both Microsoft and Cisco built their only R&D facilities outside the U.S. in Israel. The technology of the AOL Instant Messenger ICQ was developed in 1996 by four young Israelis. Israel has the fourth largest air force in the world after the U.S., Russia, and China. Israel designed the airline industry's most impenetrable flight security. U.S. officials now look finally to Israel for advice on how to handle airborne security threats. Israel has the highest ratio of university degrees to the population in the world. Israel produces more scientific papers per capita than any other nation by a a large margin, 109 per 10,000 people, as well as one of the highest per capita rates of patent files. In proportion to its population, Israel has the largest number of startup companies in the world, except the U.S., mostly in high tech. Israel is ranked number two in the world for venture capital funds right behind the U.S. Outside the United States and Canada, Israel has the largest number of NASDAQ-listed companies. Israel has the highest average living standard in the Middle East. 24% of Israel's workforce holds university degrees, ranking third in the industrialized world after the United States and Holland, and 12% hold advanced degrees. Israel is the only liberal democracy in the Middle East. We're in the West. Relative to its population, Israel is the largest immigrant-absorbing nation on earth. Immigrants come to search democracy, religion, freedom, and economic opportunity, hundreds of thousands from the former Soviet Union. Israel has the world's second highest per capita of new books. Israel is the only country in the world that entered the 21st century with a net gain in its number of trees made more remarkable because this was achieved in an area considered mainly desert. On medicine, Israel scientists developed the first fully computerized non-radiation diagnostic instrumentation for breast cancer. Israel's given imaging Development, the first ingestible video camera. So small it fits inside a pill used to view the small intestine from the inside cancer digestive disorder. So you swallow this baby, it goes through there and they take pictures and they find out exactly what's going on. Amazing. Israel leads the world in the number of scientists and technicians in the workforce with 145% per 10,000, as opposed to 85 in the U.S., over 70 in Japan, and less than 60 in Germany. With over 25% of its workforce employed in technical professions, Israel places first in this category as well. I've told you about the Dead Sea. There's hospitals there for skin diseases. Cosmetics come from the Dead Sea. There's potassium, there's ore, there's silver, there's gold. The the wealth of the Dead Sea is one of the hooks that's going to draw Russia in. 
All-Israeli company was the first to develop and install a large-scale solar power and fully functional electricity generating plant in Southern California, Mojave Desert. And all the above that we've stated, while engaged in regular wars with an implacable enemy that seeks its destruction and an economy continually under strain by having to spend more per capita on its own protection than any other country on earth. Are you amazed about the Jew? You better be. <laughs> Pastor Xavier Reese and a reminder of God's plan for his people. And there's more to come next time. But if your schedule won't permit you to tune in, you can pick up a copy of this message. And the title to ask for is Russia Will Invade Israel Part 2. And it's available on CD for only $4. Now again, that title, Russia Will Invade Israel Part 2. You can request your copy by writing Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for mentioning the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us track the effectiveness of this ministry in your area. What's in store for the nation of Russia? That's our topic on the next edition of Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com 